Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. Or he has to consider, stop considering the pool and give his attention to Jesus or give his attention to God. And remember, uh, th that's really how this miracle came about. When he turned his attention from the thing to the Lord. When he turns, turns his attention to what God had done to what God is doing. From what God had said to what God is saying. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Hi, everybody. Welcome once again to another Bible study adventure right here at Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center. We are so excited to have you once again in the place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your faithful viewing and listening. We're going to have another great time today. As you know, we've been in a series entitled The Miracle Man. This is part number four of that series, and I'm so very excited about it, excited about it. Jesus is the miracle man. And we've been looking at the miracles of Jesus as recorded in the book of John. And so I'm excited about it. And really our goal in this series is to discover, uh, discover how the Lord worked the miracles, you know, as much as we can and, and how others really that received the miracles. How did they receive those miracles and how we can actually receive our miracle today? Some of us are in need of healing, in need of deliverance, in need of salvation, mercy, grace. All of this is right there encapsulated in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we know that the power of God is just not there for yesterday. It just wasn't for yesterday. It's for us today. The kingdom of God is at hand. And so we are endeavoring to dive into the gospel of John to mine out these truths. You know, my mother-in-law said something many years ago, and I know she's probably watching. Hello. Uh, said something really that struck me. This was many years ago. She said she was in one of her classes, and uh, the professor said, you know, if you throw enough mud up the, on the side of the wall, eventually some will begin to stick. <laughs> so, you know, we know the Word of God is not mud, but sometimes we can, you know, receive information, and we... We got it, but we didn't get it. But as much as we keep on hearing, as we continue to hear and hear and hear and hear, eventually it will stick with us. Amen. And I know that you will get your breakthrough. So thank you for joining me. Now, don't forget you can hear today's message or watch today's message and the entire video series at our website at kingdomrock.org. There you can and there you can find the podcast and we have a whole network full of podcasters that you can really hear the Word of God every single day, almost every day, and be really blessed. Amen? All right, let's get into uh, part four of this series, The Miracle Man. So last week, we started here in the book of John, the fifth chapter, and we were talking about the man at the pool of Bethesda. And we didn't quite finish that then, so we're going to go into uh, another part of that today because there's still so much of this that we're going to glean out. Now, in part number five, we're going to look at um, the dividing or the, the feeding when Jesus fed the multitude with fishes and loaves. And every time we get into this, I see something different every time. And it's awesome because the Word of God is alive. It's living. So thank you for joining me. 
Let's go ahead and read it. So here we are, uh, John 5, and let's go ahead and read. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is a Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple, and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him, for he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making him equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. Awesome. All right, so we're going to start back up at verse number one. And we see here in verse number one that Jesus was going up to Jerusalem for a feast celebration. Now, many scholars say that this feast celebration was the celebration of Passover. Now, we know about Passover. Passover occurred there in the book of Exodus. And this was uh, really the Passover commemorates the last judgment of Egypt, right? On Egypt, on the gods of Egypt. And this is when the Lord told the children of Israel to eat the flesh of the lamb and, then we, and, and apply its blood to the doorposts and sideposts of your home. 
And when destruction would go through the land, when the destroyer would go through the land, when it saw the sign of the blood, or we can say the sign of the covenant that God was uh, performing with his people, that when that destroyer saw the covenant or the blood, it would pass over their homes and the destruction that was in that land would not come upon them. This was a sign, the Passover was a sign or a symbol of what Jesus would do for us today, how he would deliver us from destruction, how he would uh, deliver us from bondage. Because remember, Egypt was known as the house of bondage. So the father sent this through, or he allowed this destroyer to go through the land in an effort to deliver his people from the shackles and chains of Pharaoh from the house of bondage. So once again, let's go back into John 5. How does this work out with what's happening in John 5? Well, there were so many people, hundreds or possibly thousands of people that were waiting on the troubling of water. Of water, They were all stuck. They were all held in bondage to something that had happened. They were all waiting on something on, on God, in other words, to do something again that he had already done. As we read early in verse number four, because an angel would go down into the water and trouble the water, and whoever was the first one in was healed. Well, they were all sitting there waiting on the angel to do it again, on God to send the angel to do it again. So they were stuck in an old move of God. They were stuck, held captive, waiting on God to do something again, looking to the past. I'm not sure about you, but or maybe you have. Have you ever said to the Lord, Lord, uh, you and I had such a great relationship in the past. I want that again. Or take me back to where I once prayed, how I used to pray. Or take me back to the time when you really moved in my life. I want to go back there. Do this again in my life. Do this again. Uh, the people of God here were always looking back to what God did. But they weren't looking to what God was doing. What was God doing? Well, in this case, he sent his son to walk among them and bring them deliverance. Now, a few other things that we need to know here is that this man, of course, was there. Uh, he was there at the Pool of Bethesda, faithful for 38 years, 38 years. Now, the number 38 is highly symbolic, and I'm going to show you this. The number 38 symbolizes really the end of natural strength, the end of yourself. You've come to an end. There's nothing you can do. And we can see that really uh, in this man's life, because when Jesus said to him, do you want to be made whole? He said, how can I be made whole? I don't have anybody to help me put me in the pool. In other words, I don't have the strength to do it, to get healed or to receive the favor of God. I don't have the strength to do it. And nobody's with me that will put me into the pool. My strength is gone. I don't have anyone. And that's what the number 38 symbolizes, the end of human strength, uh, the end of human ability. Because when that happens, then we have a tendency to look to God, to look to God. And this is wonderful because the whole conversation between Jesus and the impotent man, really that whole thing, Jesus began to speak to him to turn his faith because he was so focused on what God did do and looking to God to do it again that he didn't notice Jesus uh, with him. So Jesus had directed his faith directed his gaze, or we can say, uh, through his speech, through his words. When Jesus begins to speak to him, he has to look away from the pool 
and look to Jesus and have a conversation with him. Or he has to consider, stop considering the pool and give his attention to Jesus or give his attention to God. And remember, uh, th that's really how this miracle came about. When he turned his attention from the thing to the Lord. When he turns, turns his attention to what God had done to what God is doing. From what God had said to what God is saying. That's how he really received this miracle. In essence, Jesus was saying, look at me. Look at me. Look away from it and look to me. Look to me. Remember when Peter and John were there um, in the book of Acts? I'm forgetting what chapter. Maybe it was the second or third or fourth chapter. But when Peter and John went up to the temple to pray, uh, there was a poor old crippled man there begging at the gates. And he was asking for alms. Give me money. Alms, alms, alms for the blind. Alms, alms. Um, Peter and John said, look, uh, we don't have anything. They said, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, we give to you. They said, rise, take up your bed and walk. You know, but prior to that, they, they told the man, look on us. Look at us. Look, look at us. Look at us. He was probably doing something like alms or uh, giving charitable giving for the blind or, or for the crippled. Alms, alms, which you give to me. And, and they said, look at us. Look at us. Look away from what you have been doing or for what you have been expecting. And look at us. Look at the answer. Of course, they weren't the answer, but they were carrying the answer. And that's part of the thing that we're going to get here uh, from this whole account of John, the fifth chapter. It's when we look away from the thing and look to the Lord. When we look away from his hand and look to God's heart. You know, because our prayer time can be one of always asking for stuff, but never asking for his presence, never asking to know him never surrendering our lives to him. So that's one valuable lesson here. Now I want you to see something too. The, again, 38, let's go back to 38. 38 symbolizes the end of uh, human strength, okay? Because 38 was the amount of time, 38 years was the amount of time that it took for the last of the fighting men to die before the children of Israel went into Egypt. Some of you may remember the count when the, when the children of Israel were about to cross over to the Red Sea into the promised land, and they told God, God said, go ahead and go over there and possess the land. And they went over there and they spied the land and they saw giants and other people there. And they said, we cannot do this. We can't do this. We don't have the strength to do this. But listen to this. God told them, go, I'm with you. I got you. But the moment they said, no, we can't do this, they were actually magnifying their own inability instead of father's ability. Got it? They magnified their inability. I can't. But God said, you can. So surely there at the very beginning, uh, that should have been a 38 occurrence. But no, that was God telling them, go. And they were, this was an act of disobedience. So God told that generation, you're not going in and possessing the land. No, you're going to wander in this wilderness until, you're, until the whole generation of fighting men dies. And what happens after that? Well, the Lord raises up their children to go in and possess the land. And it took 38 years for that generation to die off. So after they died off, then God takes the people of God into the promised land shortly thereafter. Isn't that powerful? So the Lord finds his man here. 38 years he's been there, been faithful. And in other words, he has come to the end of his own strength. And that's when 
the Lord steps in so beautifully, so beautifully. Now, let me tell you about this as well. There are actually two angels uh, in this account, two angels. One, of course, we see that goes down and troubles the water. The Bible says that a certain season, the angel, I think in verse four, yes, the angel went down and troubled the water. And as a result of that, whoever, whoever was the first one in got healed. All right. Now, the word angel means messenger, messenger. So I said there are two angels or two messengers here, right? So one was that one and the other was the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the message of God revealed unto the world. Now, I want you to notice this because this is so powerful. The first message of the first angel told people this. If you want a move of God, if you want a miracle of God in your life, then God has created a way for you to have it. You just have to be fast enough. You just have to be faithful enough. You just have to have someone that's going to help you. You just have to do this. The first miracle heavily depended. Now, the power of God was there, but it heavily depended upon the actions of man, upon man's performance. If you weren't fast enough, you didn't get it. Somebody would step in front of you. You, didn't, you wouldn't get it. So in other words, in order for you to find the favor of God, in order for you to find the power of God, you had to perform. That was the message of the first angel. And so there's the people of God, all those that were withered, that those were lame, those that were blind, paralyzed, they all were forced to perform in order to find God's power, favor, his blessing, right? The miracle, his blessing. That was the message of the first angel or the message of the first messenger, we can say. Then Jesus comes along. Well, Jesus' message is this. You don't have to perform. You're not going to God as they thought. You know, first one in gets to God, gets to God's blessings, gets, gets to God's miracles. Jesus said, no, this is what I'm doing now. This is what Father is doing now. Father's not saying, come to me. No, Father has come to you in the form of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, you don't have to perform. You just have to receive. Believe and receive. Believe and receive. Remember the second miracle we talked about, about the uh, mir miraculous healing of the uh, nobleman's son? Jesus told him, hey, except you see, you won't believe. In other words, the man was wanting to see something and then he would believe it. But Jesus said simply, if you believe me, then I will show you. Isn't that powerful? Praise God. Isn't that powerful? So look at the message of the second messenger, the Lord Jesus here. He's telling them, I'm here. Now, this man, of course, was not perfect. You can see it all through the case. After this man was healed, he uh, immediately went back and told the, the Pharisees approached him, why are you carrying your bed on the Sabbath day? And he said, well, the man that cured me said for me to take it up. They said, who, who cured you? Who told you to do that? And the Bible says he didn't know, the man did not know who Jesus was. Later on, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, hey, you're healed, you're cured. Go and sin no more. Least something uh, more terrible come upon you. The man at that point goes and tells the Jews it was Jesus tells the religious leaders it was Jesus who did it. And the Bible says that they sought to persecute Jesus and then eventually they sought to kill him. 
So this man, once he was healed, did not give God glory. He did not give Jesus praise. He did not honor God. He didn't leap for joy and tell others about the goodness of Jesus. No, no. He was trying to position himself to get in good with the religious leaders. Right? That's why he did that. So this man did not have a repentant heart. So if God would heal him, don't you know he'll heal us as well? Now, what if Jesus had selected someone that was upright and righteous around the pool? Then we would say, well, you know what? You got to be right in order to get healed. You know, you got to go, you got to go to church. You got to, um, you got to study your Bible. You got to pray all the time. You got to fast all the time. You got to do this and that and the other. If you do all of this, then you'll be righteous enough for God to heal you just like this and that. No, mm, the Lord didn't do that. The Lord didn't, Jesus did not depend on that man's righteousness because Jesus already was righteous. He extended his righteousness to the man and said, all right, you qualify for this miracle based on my goodness. That's what the Lord Jesus was saying. I will heal you because I'm good. I will heal you because I'm going to do the work on Calvary's cross. I'm going to pay for your sins. And I love what the Bible says there in, I believe, Psalm 103, how the Lord will forgive all of your iniquity, that's all of your sins, and heal all of your diseases. God forgives and then he heals. Obviously, this man was in sin, but yet still he got his miracle. So in the miracle, the Lord was saying, I've taken care of your sin and I've healed you. I mean, it's, it's powerful. Maybe one day we'll do a, a, a study on that, how the Lord often incorporates forgiveness with healing. Those two often go together. And this man was healed by the grace and mercy of God. Oh, this is so thrilling. Let me show you one or, one or, two, one or two other things before uh, we close out. Now, eventually, the Lord Jesus is going to have to confront these Pharisees. They confronted him that and um, persecuted him because he had healed on the Sabbath day. On the Sabbath day. Now, the Sabbath day, you'll find there in the Ten Commandments. The Lord said, keep the Sabbath day holy. It's supposed to be, it was meant to be a place, a, a time of rest and reflection, uh, reflecting on the goodness of God, ceasing from your labor and reflecting on God. Now, when the Pharisees and religious leaders got a hold of it, it became something else because they added to it. They added to it. They added so many other conditions to the Sabbath that the father never intended. Now, look at this case. They saw this man healed on the Sabbath day and they berated him. Why are you doing this? Now, this man was, they'd seen this man, I'm sure, for 38 years sitting here, sitting here paralyzed. And now God had miraculously healed him. This was a work of God. God was moving among the people. And instead of celebrating, they went to control him. Put that down, in other words. You're not supposed to be working. Yeah, you got healed today. Yeah, God moved in your life, but that's not according to our rules. In other words, they were saying, God, you are out of order. And that's never what the Father said. <laughs> they said, Jesus, you are out of order. You shouldn't be healing on the Sabbath. Further on into the Gospels, Jesus confronts them further because uh, there was one particular occasion when the man had a, a withered hand as Jesus was uh, teaching in the temple. And it was once again the Sabbath day. 
and Jesus knew their hearts. And he looked at them and said, you know what? Y'all are some hypocritin' folk. He said, which, no, I'm adding that part there. You got me. But he said, he said, which of you having your animals doesn't go out and, and lead them to water? Or if your sheep falls in a ditch and if it's a Sabbath day, you won't get them out? No. I mean, no, you're going to go and get that sheep out. You're going to lead your flocks out to water, even if it's on the Sabbath day. You're going to feed them, even if it's on the Sabbath day. Then he turns and say, ought not this man be healed on the Sabbath day? In other words, aren't human needs um, valuable too on the Sabbath day? Isn't it right to do good on the Sabbath day too? I mean, this is incredible. So they, the Pharisees that turn this to something else, and then Jesus goes on to say, I believe in Mark chapter 2, don't quote me, but Jesus goes on uh, to tell them that the Sabbath was made for man and not the man for Sabbath. God gave you that Sabbath day to rest and reflect on him. Well, wasn't it a good thing for God to heal on that day? Didn't everybody reflect on the goodness of the Lord? <laughs> I'm telling you, weren't they all, my, wow, look what God did. What, what better way can there be than to worship God and thank him after such a powerful move of his spirit? Glory to God. Well, that going, we're going to go ahead and wrap up there uh, tonight uh, with the man at the pool of Bethesda. And I pray that you have gleaned out some truths for yourself there. And we will begin to reflect on the Father and on his goodness. We'll look to him, not mainly what he has done. We can look back at our testimonies, yes, and thank the Lord for what has happened. But I'm telling you, the Lord, the Lord wants to do something richer and greater in your life if you just allow him to. Amen? Amen. Well, I look forward to being back with you on next week as we go into part number five of the series, The Miracle Man. Jesus is the Miracle Man. Now, don't forget to go by our website at kingdomrock.org. There you can find today's message and so much more. And while you're on the website, please, please, please do me a favor and click the contact button. We would love to hear from you. And send us your prayer requests and your comments. Let us know where you're from. That's always a great thing to see. Uh, Denmark and China and Russia, wherever you are, United States, wherever you are, uh, let us know. We'd be so uh, glad to pray with you and to hear from you. And while you're on the website, if the Lord Show leads you, you can click the Give button there and give into the ministry. A little bit goes a long way. And we thank you so much for, for your generosity. All right, until next time, remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today, only he can make a way. I will see you on the next time. God bless you. Bye-bye. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you, and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.